This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. On today's podcast episode, I have a very familiar face, Miss Steph Giorgio, Mind Food Steph. How are you? And welcome once again to the Girl Fit Method podcast. Hello, everyone. Hello, Tash. Thank you for having me. I was very excited when you told me you had an opening because we have so much to talk about and get out of this podcast. I can't wait for us to take a deep dive into today's topic. Absolutely. Yeah. So today we are talking about five hacks. So Steph's going to be sharing her five hacks to beat binge eating. And obviously, if you've never heard a podcast, uh, we've had Steph on a few times on the podcast, but she is a food psychologist and her jam is all things women, relationship with food, binge eating, ADHD. She's an absolute queen and an absolute wealth of knowledge. However, Before we get into today's podcast episode, I want to ask you a question. What has been the highlight of your week so far? Me? Yes, you. I'm putting you on the spot. What's been the highlight of my week so far? Definitely I submitted my halfway report for my clinical psychology registration. So I've got two years before I'm a clinical psychologist, but I submitted my halfway point. So that was a highlight for me. Amazing. Amazing. Now, how many years in total is it study? Oh, it's taken me eight, eight or more. Wow. It's a huge commitment. That's a lot of years. That's in total. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a lot. That is amazing. My goodness. What a party you're going to throw once it's over and done with. (laughs) Totally. Totally. What about you? What's been your highlight? Oh, my highlight of the week. You're putting me on the spot now. Um, I would say mine's going to, not as exciting, but I would say I've been sleeping really well. Actually, I was struggling with terrible sleep last week and I was feeling so tired. And this week, every night I've just been going to bed and just, I'm dead until the morning, which is nice because we all know lack of sleep is no good. So um, that's been a highlight of my week. Hopefully that carries on for the rest of the week and in the future. Yes. Send me those vibes. I'm yeah, wanting to I'll send you the sleep vibes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All oh, right. Well, let's get stuck you. into today's podcast episode. So like we spoke about, we're going to go over the five top hacks to deal with binge eating. Maybe before we get into those, let's, let's talk about, let's define what binge eating is. And I would love for you, Steph, to really talk about, I guess there are girls out there that have diagnosed binge eating disorder, but then there are a lot of girls as well that maybe don't have that diagnosis, but that tend to overeat and find themselves here and there in situations where they do overconsume or they consume more than they would like to. So, do you want to kind of identify whether there's a difference between those two and and how you would identify those? Yeah, sure. So eating disturbance happens on a spectrum, right? And on the far end of the spectrum, we have eating disorders such as binge eating disorder. Now, a binge eating disorder, it comes down to how 
frequently and how much distress and impairment a binge causes. Now, a binge in the clinical world means eating a large amount of food in a short period of time and feeling a loss of control in that moment. Yes, there are things called subjective binges where people may think they've binged, but it's not technically a overeating type binge. And it brings a lot of shame. It brings a lot of guilt. But with binge eating disorder, people don't engage in compensatory behaviors. So they don't tend to purge, over-exercise, restrict, fast the next day. Um, whereas we see that with other disease, stop. We see that with other eating disorders such as bulimia, etc. Now, in the world of, of I guess, general population, we see a lot of women get distressed or upset or feeling guilty about overindulging or overeating. Now, this may happen around special occasions, birthdays, weekends, Easter or Christmas, but it's the amount of time that happens and the level of impairment on your life that distinguishes disordered eating and a binge versus a binge eating disorder. Mm, That's so interesting. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Well, that sort of identifies things. I, I would say, man, I, probably like 90% of the population, I think for women anyway, have at least experienced a situation where they have felt it's not that they've enjoyed overconsuming. Maybe they've not enjoyed it and they've overconsumed out of a um, a place of feeling really emotional or sad and they've relied on food in some way. And like you were saying, those feelings of guilt and like, mm, I shouldn't have done that. I'm a bad person. I would say a lot of women have experienced that. And I just want to say that with all of these tips that we're going to raise now, this is going to be relevant. And um, correct me if I'm wrong there, Steph, that this is going to be relevant for regardless of if you've just binged, Mm -hmm. you know, you've just overeaten or if you're actually suffering with binge eating disorder, which, you know, I'm sure that you would advocate going and actually seeing someone professionally as well. But these tips should really help you or help most people across the board. Yeah, for sure. And they're strategies to, I guess, prevent binging, but they're also strategies to manage it if it does happen, because I don't want to minimize and or over, I guess, demonize binge eating because it has been demonized a lot in diet culture, but there's nothing wrong with overindulging from time to time. There's nothing wrong with eating emotionally time to time. We just don't want it to be our only coping strategy. So a lot of it comes down to the way you perceive a binge, the way you perceive yourself as a person when you overindulge. So we're going to look at those thoughts and beliefs and how to change them. Sure. Love it. All right, let's get stuck into it. Number one, what is our first hack? The first hack is eat regularly. Now, this might seem like a no-brainer, but the research has found that when people leave more than four hours between eating or meals, they are more vulnerable to engaging in a binge. And we see this a lot in the ADHD population because a lot of them forget to eat, they get hyper-focused on a task, and then they come home and they're absolutely ravenous and then they will overeat, go on a binge and feel quite guilty. So if you were eating regularly, A, you know this from a nutritional point of view, you're keeping your blood sugars um, steady, you are feeling energized, you're less likely to be irritable, you're less likely to be moody, and you're less likely to make poor decisions because when we're hungry, when we're malnourished, our cognitive function declines and our cognitive function is our our ability to problem solve and make decisions, which already in 
ADHD people is compromised. So if we don't eat, it further gets compromised. So for anyone listening, eat regularly and do whatever it takes to be able to eat regularly. Meal prep, carry muesli bars in your bag, have carrots, whatever it might be for you, have that and make it as easy as possible because we're motivated to do what's easy. Absolutely. And I think being prepared and planning ahead is really important here. And I think we've all been in situations where we're really busy with work. We've just got a crazy day. And then you it's like 3, 4 p.m. And you're like, my goodness, I haven't eaten anything. And you don't even realize you're starving. And at that point, you're just like, I want to get whatever is most convenient and stuff it in my mouth because I am hungry. And that's when we can really fall into that potentially eating more than what we feel we would have liked to or that we actually needed. Um, now the other thing to keep in mind there, and I just want to add to that, Steph, is something that we encourage our girls to do as well is to have those balanced meals. So not just snacking on small snacks that aren't filling. And we see this with girls and I'm sure you've seen this as well with your clients where what they'll try to do is eat as little as possible, sometimes intentionally throughout the day to save calories, right? And then by the evening, they're so hungry and they feel so deprived that they tend to overeat. So making sure, I mean, you're most active during the day, which means you really should be pushing the majority of your food throughout the day to be able to provide you with that energy. So making sure you're having balanced meals, proteins, fats, and carbs, good meals, not just snacks that really aren't going to tie you over. Yeah, that's such a good point. I've got a question for you. A lot of people will tell me that, and people with ADHD as well, that they feel sick when they eat breakfast or they feel sick when they eat in the morning. How do you help people with that? Do you have any tips for that? Sure. By the way, if you're a new listener, I do have ADHD, just so you know. (laughs) If we're we're referencing ADHD, I absolutely am diagnosed. Um, So listen, I mean, when it comes down to eating breakfast, it's really dependent on the person. So some people don't want to eat early in the morning, which I understand. However, what you want to look at is what is your eating patterns for the remainder of the day? So what we find an issue with with girls is that when they don't want to eat breakfast, number one, it makes it very difficult for them to be able to eat enough protein throughout the day because they're literally skipping a meal. What I would say is you can train your body for anything. So if you're used to not eating breakfast, your body won't, it won't kick in. It won't send out those hunger cues to say, hey, it's time to eat. You will eat at certain times of the day and you'll notice this when you have breakfast, when you have lunch, when you have dinner, you'll start to get hungry because your body is expecting food. Now, if you haven't had breakfast for a year or for six months, your body's not going to send out that signal to say, hey, time to eat. And so you're not going to feel that urge to need to eat. And this is where sometimes we can't trust our hunger cues. We actually can't because if we don't understand what our body needs in order to thrive and to survive, we're going off, our body will become adaptive and it'll learn just to survive and however you're treating it, right? And sometimes we don't treat our body well. So um, yeah. it is important to maybe start with eating smaller portions of food in the morning and things that are really easy to digest, even a piece of fruit to start off with, some rice cakes, a piece of toast. And I can assure you after doing that after a few weeks, your body, you'll wake up and your body will tell you it's hungry and it's time to eat. Mm, yes. And doing it in those baby steps, the time, the amount, the food. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Um, that was a really great point. All right, let's go on to number two. All right, number two is to track your binges and learn your triggers. So 
binging is a very shameful, secretive habit. And I know because I used to be a frequent binge eater. What you want to do is track your binges. So when you're binging, log it down after it happens. What happened? Were you tired? Was there a trigger? Did you have a fight with your partner? Were you tired? And if you can start to identify triggers, then what you want to do is target the triggers directly. So for me, tiredness used to be a really big trigger. So anytime I had a binge urge, I would say, okay, Steph, what else are you feeling right now? I'm really tired because when you're tired, you crave you crave sugar, fats, carbs. You crave all that fast energy. So I would say, okay, Steph, have a nap. And then when you wake up, you can eat a whole birthday cake. I don't care. So I would negotiate with that part of me that wanted to binge because eating in our brain, I talk about it in terms of parts when we do therapy work. That binge part of my brain was satisfied, like, okay, I'll just binge after I have a nap. But when I work out from the nap, that need of tiredness got met that I no longer needed to meet that need through binging. Mm. Yes, it's really finding out the root causes to why you're turning to food. I love that. I love, love, love that advice. And I've got a couple of questions for you. First of all is what should we be asking ourselves? So when we're feeling like we want to binge, what are the questions we should ask? Um because sometimes it can, we cannot even really know why we're wanting to turn to food. So, so what is some prompts, I guess, like practical prompts that we can use to ask ourselves before we feel the urge to do that? Yeah, good question. And just keep in mind that binging can be a very fight flight response. So it comes from the part of your brain that doesn't think logically. It comes from the part of your brain that just wants to survive, not thrive. So it can be hard to think logically in these moments, but some very basic things you can do. Number one is acknowledge the urge and don't get freaked out by it. Just because you have an urge, you can sit with it for a minute. If you need to leave your house, just get away from the kitchen so you can just analyze this for a moment. Ask yourself, what else am I feeling right now? What else am I noticing? I'm feeling quite anxious or I'm feeling quite stressed or I'm feeling overwhelmed. What else am I feeling? It's similar to when people say, I feel fat. I always say, ask yourself, what else are you feeling? Because fat's usually an umbrella term to describe a myriad of things. So what are you feeling? What were you doing when this binge urge came? Were you on a phone call? Were you checking your emails? What do I have the urge to eat? Is it something sweet? Is it something that makes me feel comfort? Because the difference between real hunger and I guess emotional hunger is the types of things you crave and how urgent it feels. So what do I want? What was I doing? What else am I feeling right now? Can I delay this by five minutes? And also have I eaten? Have I eaten a proper meal today? I remember an old coach sort of said to me, you know what, if you feel like a dessert, that's fine. But ask yourself first, have I had a proper meal today? And if not, have that first. Mm, Yeah. Okay. And it sounds to me, just like listening to that, so much of that is distraction. It's like a distractive tool that we use to not maybe sit with the feelings that are uncomfortable for us or um, potentially. And in that it does serve a purpose. I think food sometimes can serve an emotional purpose where we do feel comfort from it. And I think like accepting that and being like, do you know what? Actually, yeah, like I do feel good when I overeat or when I eat these kinds of foods, but is that serving me? Is that serving my future self? Because too much of a good thing can be 
bad, right? And when we talk about bad, it's detrimental to what you're wanting to achieve. So they're great prompts. I love those. I even find that with myself, and this is not binging, but it's just around trying to figure out whether I actually am physically hungry or I'm just psychologically hungry or I'm just trying to distract myself. I'm a boredom eater. And the question I ask myself is I stop and I go, how am I physically feeling? How does my tummy feel? What's my energy levels like? Or am I turning to food because I'm trying to distract myself from something I know I need to do or I've got nothing else to do? And then I can really make a conscious decision about whether I feel like I need to eat or whether I don't need to eat. Sometimes I choose to, even when I'm not physically hungry, but sometimes I'm like, do you know what? No, I think I just need to get outside and get some fresh air. And then I come back feeling fine. So being aware of it, I think is really important. And those prompts are key to be able to figure out sort of what's behind the actions that you're taking. Yeah. Yes. And being able to delay it, delay the urge by a minute, delay the urge by five minutes. And what you'll find is real hunger tends to grow in the belly. You tend to feel more growling, whereas emotional hunger, it feels more more urgent. It feels straight away. It feels you have to have a specific thing, whereas real hunger, you can sort of push it out a bit. Uh, But exactly what you said, delay it, see how you feel, ask yourself questions, but know that you may not get it right every time and that's okay. The goal is Let's reduce the stress and overwhelm and demonizing that happens with binge eating. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. All right. So let's go on to hack number three. What have you got for us, Steph? All right. Hack number three ties into number two, and it's about delaying urges and engaging in other dopamine activities. So a lot of people binge eat or eat emotionally to get that need of dopamine. So dopamine is the neurotransmitter in your brain that makes you feel good. It's your reward-seeking sensation. And if you listen to this, you have ADHD as well. That's why there's a big link between it because people are trying to seek that dopamine that may be lower in their brains if you do have ADHD. But essentially, we want to feel good. And we're trained to do this from childhood. We're trained to oh, don't cry, have a lollipop, have some candy. So it's only natural that when we feel upset as an adult, we we want to have that chocolate or we want to overindulge. But then diet culture beliefs say, oh, my gosh, you shouldn't have eaten that, and then you eat the whole block. So see if you can delay the urge and do something else that brings you a little bit of joy, whether it's scrolling on social media, whether it's going outside for a walk, listening to music, doing knitting, whatever it might be, try to do something else and see how you feel and see if you can delay it for a little bit. Love that. I um, I always talk about having different tools in your toolkit and not relying on one way to cope with whatever. And whether that's just like the, the dopamine thing. So I can speak from experience, right? So having ADHD, dopamine-like deficient, and throughout the day, the way I have structured my days is, and my food actually, is really strategic. So I know the, the times of day when I struggle to concentrate 
when I feel low and I will make sure that I'm fueling my body adequately once again throughout the day. So I'm setting myself up for success as much as I possibly can. However, what I also implement is other strategies. So I'm not just relying on eating consistently throughout the day, but things that really help me is going and exercising, listening to a song that's really uplifting. I have playlists that make me feel happy. And when I'm feeling like, you know, sometimes 2, 3 p.m., you get that slump, right, let's put a playlist on. Or what I'll do is get out in the sunshine. I can't explain how much getting outside out of the environment that you are in, even if it's for five minutes or 10 minutes, completely changes your mindset and gets you out of the space that you're in. So making sure that you've got those other tools in your toolkit to be able to deal with stuff when you're not relying on the one thing. I promise I'm only going to keep you for 30 seconds. But listen, we have just launched our Fit and Fueled 12-week challenge. This is 12 weeks of completely personalized training, personalized nutrition coaching. You get access to your own GFM coach. You will have a weekly Zoom group calls with me. You'll get access to our private WhatsApp group, our Facebook group, recipes, meal plans, absolutely everything that you need to completely change your life and achieve your goals. I am so excited to bring this to you and... The little bonus is that you will go into the running to win three months of completely free coaching, which is valued at 2,200 USD, which is absolutely massive. Now, I've popped a link in the show notes where you can find out more about the challenge, but I'm so incredibly excited to bring this to you because this is going to be a complete game changer. If you have any questions, make sure to send me a DM on Instagram, send me an email. Be more than happy to answer any of your questions. We would love to formally introduce you and have you a part of the GFM family. All right, guys, back to this podcast episode. Yes, for sure. And just on that note, and going back to point one, which was eat regularly, is implement foods in your day-to-day eating that you tend to binge on. Because for a lot of people who have the binge restrict cycle, they will restrict on foods or eat really perfect in public to binge eat on quote-unquote naughty foods after dark. So implement a little bit of chocolate in your day, implement whatever it is you're binging on, try to have it because we don't binge on what we, I guess, are exposed to regularly. It's that idea of what we tell ourselves we can't have, we want more of. And then the more we tell ourselves we can have that thing, the less hold of us it has. Um, I love that idea. That is, do you know, that was a game changer for me as well, Steph. I think in my own journey, there were so many foods I demonized. So I was like vegan for four years and I wasn't vegan because I was worried about the animals. I was vegan because I thought number one, it would help me keep my calories low. And then number two, I thought I was somehow morally uh, pure or like healthier because I didn't have any animal products. Right. And that meant having things like no chocolate. And in my mind, I had demonized those things. So as I started to reintroduce that and I started eating more, and I'm not advocating if someone is vegan for whatever purpose, you can stay vegan. I'm just using this as an example. But once I started to include the foods I told myself were bad, I felt quite out of control over them because I still had that. I was telling myself that narrative about that food. But what I did is I had to sit with that and give myself portions of that food almost on a daily basis until I was like, do you know what? I don't even like desire eating it anymore because I'm allowing myself to have it every day. It has no hold on me whatsoever. It's a really, really powerful um, activity or exercise to do. It's so amazing. And 
what changed the game for me was telling myself whenever I wanted to binge or whenever I wanted to engage in that, you know what, I'll just eat as much as I can because tomorrow I'm starting my clean eating. Monday, my diet starts. I actually said I'm never allowed to do that. I'm never allowed to start a diet on Monday. I'm never allowed to start fresh tomorrow. I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want. And I used to say to myself, you know what, Steph, don't binge tonight and you can have a whole cake for breakfast. And I would never want it because by the time the morning came, I was well rested. My cognitive function was, you know, working properly again. So just tell yourself, I can eat this anytime, anywhere, as much as I want. You need to create an abundant mindset around food because what you've done is you've created a scarcity mindset around food or a demonizing mindset. I saw this TikTok and this lady was saying she has 10 blocks of chocolate around her house at any given time to be like, it's just chocolate. It's just chocolate. You know, people demonize like, I can't have chocolate in my house. I can't have this in my house. Slowly, slowly, it's okay to have it in your house. And that teaches you to just be conditioned to it and not think of it as this, oh my gosh, this dangerous, sacred thing that you have no control around. It's like exposure therapy. When people are terrified of something and then they like, you know, if you're scared of spiders, they like, they get a spider to come close to you. If you're scared of heights, you know, they like introduce you to situations where you need to face that fear. And it sounds silly, but it is the same with food. If you have that relationship with food, the more you're exposed to it, the more you allow yourself to consume that food, you won't care about it. But it is uncomfortable to begin with. It really is. It is. But think about when you go on a holiday or you are away and you drink a few nights in a row or you eat out a few nights in a row, you come home and you crave vegetables. You come home and you crave routine or you're like, okay, I need a break from drinking because you just allowed yourself to go all out. You don't want it all the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Let's move on to point number four. What is the fourth hack you have for us? All right. The fourth hack to end binge eating or manage it effectively is to binge in good company if you're going to binge. So essentially, if you're getting the urge, if you're like, you know what, I'm wanting a family-sized pizza right now, let's do it in a contained environment. Let's say, hey, Betty, what are you doing tonight? Let's go get pizza. I'm really craving it. And at least if you're going to binge, do it in good company. Eat the food with someone. Go do it in public because you're going to be more mindful about it. There's less shame because binging in private has a lot of shame. There's a lot of secrecy. So if you are planning a binge, do it with someone you trust. And do you know what? It's probably not even going to lead to a massive binge because you're with someone, you're in good company, you're normalizing it. So the goal isn't just to end binge eating. The goal is to reduce the severity of it and how often it's happening. And what a lot of people notice when I work with is maybe their binge eating doesn't end, but the frequency of it and the intensity and the amount they have changes because their relationship with binging changes. And just a point on there, I was thinking the good thing about doing that with somebody else is you can see how someone can go out and consume that food that you feel like you've got no control over in a controlled manner, right? And also when you look at that person consuming that food, are you judging them and and thinking, geez, they're a bad person for eating that? Like you're judging yourself potentially. Uh, it's almost another way of exposing yep. it and and not allowing that food to have fear over you as well. As you can see, actually, it's a part of life. We all love to eat pizza or whatever the food is that you feel uncomfortable consuming or you want to binge on, right? You can still 
you can still consume that and be healthy and be happy and it doesn't need to be this horrid ordeal. I really, really, really love that point. And I think the fact as well as when we're not doing something in secret, we're removing a part of the shame as well. Um, and shame is the thing that is going to breed an even worse relationship with food. So if you can absolutely connect with someone that you trust um, and that you enjoy their company and they make you feel good, then that's really going to help you get out of that headset and not make it this secretive thing that no one should know about. Exactly. And it helps you to fight your beliefs because you know what? Does every person who's thin never eat pizza? Does every person who's larger have a poor relationship with food? So it allows you just to be with different people and explore those beliefs. And it's also dopamine inducing. When you go out with your friend, you're connecting, you're communicating. That may actually lead to a secondary gain of talking to someone and sorting through what made you binge in the first place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've got that social aspect of things, which is a huge part of health, right? Socializing with people and making connections and building relationships. All right. What is our lucky last hack? Number five, drum roll, please. Drum roll. The lucky last hack to help manage binge eating is to forgive yourself if it does happen, right? The key is to reduce the distress that binge eating causes. So I just say to people, you know what, just own it. Because when you own it, there's no secrecy. There's no shame. You're just like, you know what, I had a binge and it's okay. People binge. Everyone binges on occasion. And if I don't demonize it, then I don't need to keep bullying myself over it. So forgive yourself. So you know what, it happened. It's okay. It's not the worst thing in the world. Sure, it's going to make me upset and resume regular eating the next day. I'm just going to tag on to that. Forgive yourself, but resume regular eating. If you binged and if you compensated in any way, purging, etc. have your next meal and just get on with it. Have your breakfast, have your lunch, because a lot of people will wake up thinking, that's it, I'm going to fast. I'm going to push my hunger out. And no one got a Nobel Prize trying to make themselves hungry or push their hunger out. So just resume regular eating and let it go. And I always think, like, how did that work for you? Because you've probably done it before. You've probably binged and then you've thought, oh, I'll uh, make up for that by not eating hardly anything the next day. And then do you end up binging again? Absolutely, you end up binging again. It starts in in the mind, doesn't it, with really, number one, being kind to yourself and being able to forgive yourself, even though you haven't actually done anything that morally wrong. You haven't gone and killed somebody. You know, you've just overeaten and there's nothing wrong with that. But what you're doing is telling yourself, and once again, it's that narrative in our mind that we're a bad person, we've done something wrong, we should feel shameful, oh my goodness, everyone think we've ruined everything for myself, or I'm going to gain all of this weight, and then it goes back to the other extreme, right? So you've just gone from one extreme to another extreme, and extremes don't work. Balance is somewhere in no. the middle. Um, I really love that idea. I think the worst thing you can do ever, ever, ever is try to burn off calories or is to try to reduce your calorie intake after. You still need to eat the next day, right? We all do every day. Yes, exactly. And within within all of these tips, everyone, it's really about changing your mindset. People think they need to change the binge eating or they need to change the emotion. It's the beliefs and the thoughts around food. And I have courses that teaches you how to do this. But it's your beliefs that control your feelings, which control your behavior ultimately. Yeah. And actually just on that, Steph, 
Um, there are incredible points. And if someone's thinking, do you know, what? I actually really need help with this. Where can people mm-hmm. find you and what are the resources that you have for them? Thank you. So I am Mind Food Steph on social media. I've got a couple of courses. So if you're someone who struggles with anxiety, overthinking, worrying about what people think about you, the Unchain Your Brain course actually teaches you how to unchain your brain. So essentially our childhood, our life experiences leads us to develop maladaptive coping. It leads us to develop dysfunctional beliefs about ourselves. So I teach people how to unchain that. I teach you how to regulate your nervous system so you're not engaging in maladaptive coping like avoidance, binge drinking, eating, drugs, whatever it might be. So Unchain Your Brain, that's an online course. I've also got a 12-week food freedom coaching program as well, which we are taking applications for. But then also my book, Food Gel, Breaking the Bars of Binge Eating, and your viewers, listeners, anyone listening can have a discount if they use the code MINDFOOD20. How good is that? Thank you so much for being generous. I'll make sure that's all linked in our show notes. Thank you so much, Steph, for coming on. I'm going to have you on again sometime very soon, I'm sure. But thanks for your time. Yes, I appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me, Tash, and keep going with the amazing work you do. Thank you so much. What an incredible conversation with Steph. I just absolutely love her. I love having her on the podcast episode and just being able to pick her brains on all things relationship with food. She's great with ADHD as well. So make sure you go and check her out. Just want to say a massive thank you to you all for supporting the podcast. It means the absolute world to me. If you haven't already, leave a rating, leave a review. Make sure you're following the podcast. And if you could, take a screenshot, share it onto your stories. And also remember, if you do leave a rating or a review, screenshot it, send it through to me on Instagram and you will go into the running to win a $100 Gymshark voucher. All right, guys, that is it from me. Big love, Coach Tash. Thank you.